saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Paul to the Wall. I am your host, Mike Paul, joined, of course, by my good buddy, Tyler, and I'm very pleased to be uh, here with uh, the great Monica Perez of uh, Propaganda Report. So, Monica, how are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. I'm uh, excited. We connected through Freedom Fest, and I'm getting excited to be a host of a stage there, but I'm a little nervous. Yeah, is this your first time uh, working with Freedom Fest? Yes, absolutely. And I just, I am not, it's funny that I should have a podcast or, and before that I had a radio show because I'm not a public speaker. It's not my, like, uh, I don't feel comfortable in it, but no one can ever tell. So I think I'm going to pull it off. They always told me fake it till you make it. I'm like, I'm just going to keep faking it. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing yeah. a damn good job at it. So keep <laughs> Thank going. you. Yeah. No, from the very beginning, the first time I was like thrown onto the radio, I was terrified. And my boss was like, oh, really? I couldn't even hear it. And there, it was just an exact uh, duplicate of a feeling I had when my father tried to teach me how to ride a motorcycle. And I was just fucking terrified. And I managed to like whatever, wrap it up, you know, get, not wrap it up, got, got off the bike <laughs> safely almost. But I remember thinking like the whole time I was on the bike, just like the whole time I was on the radio that first time. And it was an analogy my program director used. It's like being on a motorcycle, just look at your gauges, but pay attention, keep the throttle steady. I was like, it's like being on a motorcycle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I like, I have a tell, like when I'm super nervous, if I'm like speaking in front of people, like my face will get all red. I can feel mm -hmm. myself sweating. Mm -hmm. And then I, you get that like extra anxious because everyone's staring at you. So I, I don't have that. That's the beauty of it. Like that's yeah. why if I had that, then I never would have made it radio because literally I would get, I had a radio show on WSB in Atlanta for eight and a half years. And I literally got physically ill before every single show, not mm. like throwing up, but like my stomach. And I would just, uh, <laughs> you know, and I didn't, I didn't, I liked doing the show. And I, I realized after all those years of having this exam series, it wasn't that I was worried about, I, I wasn't anxious about the show. I just was anxious to have the show start. Once it started, I was totally fine. So I think it's just that anticipation. It's just too much for me. I can't handle it. Sure, that. I get that. Well, yeah, I guess Freedom Fest is a good place to start. Um, so what exactly will your, will your role be? What day will you be speaking? What kind of it's, topics? Well, that's why I was surprised people wanted to talk to me. And uh, because, although, I mean, I, I guessed, I'm a guest on a lot of podcasts, like libertarian podcasts, because I do have thoughts. But at Freedom Fest, I will be a host. So they have two oh. stages. They have the big stage, which is like Tom Woods and all those guys there. And then they have a, a second stage, which I actually think is staggered. So I think everyone can go to everything. And I'm very excited because the first person I introduce, so I just am introducing people, welcoming, hosting like that MC type stuff, which is new for me. And 
Uh, but my first guess is Maj Touré, who's the Black Guns Matter mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. And I saw him first on Monopoly on Violence, a documentary that I liked. And I, I think I like chipped in for a little bit. And I, I just loved it. I really wanted to talk to him. So I'm hoping to do the same thing, like get an interview with him because I'll be on the stage with him at Freedom Fest. But I just will introduce people. Very cool. Yeah, we'll be and there on media row. Yeah, like anything that I'm not talking about, I'm going to be... you know, attending. And I really like the one thing that I'm very excited about is to the extent that people who listen to me, because I moved from Atlanta to LA and in Atlanta, I have a lot of people and we would do meetups and stuff, but really it's hard for me to meet up with people. So to the extent that I have listeners who are there at Freedom Fest, I think I'm going to have a lot of time and I love cocktails. So (laughs) that's my plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many good, uh, good speakers. I'm excited to see the lineup is just amazing. So we're uh, hoping to meet some people, but like I said, we're going to have a booth on Media Row, so we'll get to meet some other podcasters and some of the speakers. So we're we're really looking forward to it. So, are you going to live broadcast from there? Like, what's the story? We can. Uh, I I think we're probably going to consolidate a bunch of interviews, whatever we can get, and then release them. You know, the following right. week. Right. Um, right. Because I'm not expecting to get an hour with each person, you know, the people are probably stopping by, and maybe uh, we can do an episode of a couple 15 minute different interviews with different people. But um, it's our first time there, so I don't really know how it's yes. going to go, but it'll be fun no matter what. So, Yes, agreed. I've never been to South Dakota even, so I'm, I'm just I excited know. about that. My dad was a truck driver, so I remember going through there, going through the Badlands, and then even as a little kid, they he took us all to, there were nine of us, so maybe it wasn't all of us, but I remember going to Mount Rushmore. So I've been to some of those things, but I would certainly like to experience it as an adult. But I'm also thinking it would be fun to to get on Media Row also and be able to talk to some of those people. Wow. But I haven't been there either. So, I mean, not like I don't always have the hall pass to go to festivals because I have, you know, stay at home mom, whatever. So I'm not really that versed in it. I think I would be too nervous to like set up a media thing and try to interview people. And Grant Tom Woods always was just like, hey, man, can I talk to you for a minute? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know if I, yeah, I guarantee I'm going to be sweating bullets the first day. That's just it's inevitable. <laughs> I'll be I'll be sweating, <laughs> well, stuttering a little bit to the roots of your hair, no doubt. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's, it's a it's an interesting group of people, because for the most part, if you're like a. Um, you know, just a random person who doesn't pay attention to our world. They probably wouldn't know many of these people. They may have heard of Dave Rubin. I know uh, Dennis Quaid's there. Everyone knows him. But for like, I the want rest Randy of these, uh, Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see Randy Quaid. He's the one on my list of people I want to yeah. interview. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. But to, to us, it's like these people are have a, a big sense of celebrity. You know, like when you see a Tom Woods or a Dave Smith, they're those yeah. type guys. So it's it's pretty, uh, pretty cool for our little bubble of uh, the liberty yeah. world. It's going to be cool. I think so, too. So I did want to pick your brain on a few things. Um, so you're, you're in California. What are your thoughts on this recall election? Because I believe it's, it's happening later this year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's Nick. Um, Maybe. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so for the recall, I don't know. I mean, people don't like him. I actually made my first friend out here. It was the craziest story. I saw someone walking in my neighborhood with an impeach Gavin Newsom shirt on a while ago. And I talked about it on my podcast and I calculated the odds. It's like a million to one odds. But the next day she tweeted me like, 
did you move to California? Because I was walking around this neighborhood in California. You know, do you live in this neighborhood? So that chick actually heard me and now I'm friends with her. But so she was way ahead of that. And people are disgruntled. There are people like you'll see placards and stuff like that. But Newsom is such an old family. They're like six ruling families of California. Apparently he's got some like tangential relationship, some kind of remote family relationship with Nancy Pelosi or Nancy Pelosi's husband. He -hmm. was, his father was the financial advisor or manager for Getty. I think John Paul Getty or who, who, no, like maybe Gordon Getty, one of the younger ones. So like old, old, or like a very entrenched money and connections. And there's like fishy stuff going on out here. I don't know if you've ever heard about like these couple of incidents. One was Jeffrey Allen Lash and another one um, was more recent, I think in like Bel Air where they found mansions or houses full of guns, full, full, full of guns. I heard about that. And one of them was in a mansion owned by Gordon Getty's ex-wife. And I like, I'm like, that's a, that, you know, it's just two degrees from Newsom. Mm-hmm. So if, if he were to go, I would think it would be part of a plan. And if he wants to stay governor, I think he gets to stay governor, but I, you know, I don't know. So it's hard for me to just be like, what's the, you know, zeitgeist around here? Because I think it's, that is quite manipulated. I feel well, like. We're in Illinois, so Chicago runs our entire state. So <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. And it's, it's, it's like that. It's no question. I mean, there's yeah. no question. And it's very similar with Pritzker. Like um, his family owns the state. I mean, they own the high hotel chain. He just uh, he was born a billionaire. Yeah. And, you know, power goes to power. And uh, it was interesting when he was running because I had all these people with Trump derangement syndrome just saying he's a billionaire. He needs to pay his fair share, all this. Then they vote for Pritzker. I'm like, this guy was born a billionaire. Yeah, right. like, He's never not been a billionaire. At least Trump made his billions, but they're like, yeah, but at least he'll legalize weed if I vote for him. I'm like, okay, you guys have no principles. Like, yes. Yeah. And, and the guys- they just, they'll, they'll, it, it's funny because if you look at say the world economic forum, the great reset stuff, right? So mm-hmm. they're totally controlling the world, build back better. Like literally I, I feel like Biden's just gotten too lazy because I can find entire like phrases and passages of stuff that comes out of his mouth. That's like out of a world economic forum, white paper. Mm-hmm. And, and, if you tell people about the great reset in the beginning, I would tell them and they would be like shocked and horrified. And I guess it's gotten to the partisan level so that if they're Democrats, they're not shocked and horrified that you know, only Republicans are shocked and horrified. I'm neither Republican nor a Democrat, but I just, I can see those patterns. And I'm just like mystified that people won't, that people who say they don't like capitalism are taking their marching orders for world control by the guy who runs Salesforce, for example. Like he's a big shot in the World Economic Forum. Or like that people, even the most like neutral reading of the whole vaccine thing, even if you're just not in any kind of rabbit hole, it is clearly big pharma in control of the media and the government to force people to take something that the government will pay big pharma to give you if only they can get you to take it. So if you hated capitalism, are you afraid of billionaires or whatever? Like the, the vaccine should be the one thing that you, you're like, Hey, could this be a money grab? You know, it could mm, right. be. Yet it's the people who are so, who, who 
jawbone about like we need a little more socialism around here it's like okay this is it's fascism that you're getting not socialism and it is bad i agree with you but you don't get to pick and choose based on what you're told just look at who's doing what and you know don't call bad billionaire bad doesn't work if your guy's a billionaire too right yeah, yeah it's uh covid had a way of turning the occupy wall street people into freelance unpaid evangelicals for big pharma it's nazis i mean it's yes. really crazy because i i really have this fantasy of um if i ever get to have a conversation with somebody one of the more militant types and out here there are a lot and they're in positions of power that uh, i would like to ask them to define nazi without reference to anti-semitism or you know like just just take that thing out of it and we can bring it back in later but first let's define what a nazi is and i would defy them to make a definition that could not include what's happening with the with the vaccine propaganda right now and, and i think too there's the media has really misconstrued what nazism is or fascism even because if you if you like Hayek lays it out in the road to serfdom pretty well, where he's like, it's exactly the same as socialism. It's not a right wing ideology. It's just a nationalistic version of socialism where communism was a global. They wanted a global revolution where Nazism and fascism was just in that particular country. I mean, it's in but, the name national yeah. socialism. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, if I if I'm out having drinks with like friends and stuff, if I discussed it with them, you would get a totally. I mean, outside of Mike and Nick, because they're you know we're on the same page. But like, if you just talk to people when you're out and about, they'll have a totally incorrect understanding of what that ideology is. I mean, right? You know, and I thought Hayek laid it out perfectly in a, in a very clear cut, easy to understand way. I'll have to refresh my memory. I believe my father gave me Road to Serfdom when I was a kid. Like, that's how long it's been since I've looked at it. But it does well to refresh our memories on those things because those guys have laid it all out so simply, so clearly. But, yeah, I mean, I guess it, you could see it as, uh, I mean, primarily it's an economic proposal, right? And I actually mm -hmm. would say China, which started as communist, would – is fascist and always kind of had to be fascist unless they were truly thinking of an international workers unite, you know, workers of the world unite kind of thing. That's really, I think, I guess the difference would also be that the fascism element of it has cooperation between the, the state and the corporation to where, and this is something that I think is important is that you look at the, the, with the fascism or what we have like public private partnerships, you can push a lot of excess profit. And it's, and I mean excess profit because in a free market, you have no excess profit. You have the profit that clears the, the marginal cost of labor at that skill level, the marginal cost of capital, or you have entrants that bring it down to like whatever they call it, economic zero profit, something like that. But you have excess profit when the government controls some of those things and prevents competition, all that. So it, when you have the fascist state, when you have the corporations who are allowed to siphon that off for private gain, and then they get to live in mansions and you can't really, um, then you have to question whether it's more efficient to have public-private par partnerships or whatever. But with the socialist model, the communist model, those guys had to hide it. 
So it was like mm-hmm. the mobs in Little Italy. Like you would go walk down the street and there would be really poor rundown houses on Christopher Street. But if you went inside, they'd have like gold leaf on the on the ceiling and stuff because they couldn't show that they were that they were raking in the dough. Right. And I and I feel like maybe that puts a deterrent on it. Like I feel like it doesn't matter at this point, these ideologies, this idea of us like some people in power are still fighting for free markets i just it's insignificant i feel like we're in a post ideology world and 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 the ideology that we have we are going to live no matter what is this like soft backdoor fascism where they don't even pass laws anymore they just use the power of these corporate like artificial oligopolies to create requirements like the vaccine mm-hmm. requirement which could never be a law but if you get rid of all the mom and pops and targets the only store and they tell you and they make that that's like uh you know it's almost like a reverse fascism where the corporations themselves are making the laws right it's like a privatized tyranny but it, you could argue it's even private at that point because once they uh, yeah. use the, they've weaponized the state to eliminate their competition you're basically just another arm of the government and and the control of capital like if they that's why i can't call myself an anarcho capitalist anymore because capital has been so corrupted through fiat money and the way they dole out these subsidized loans and uh, control the interest rate so at one point i believe that the uh, the treasury or whatever was buying bonds like for corporate bonds last year corporate bonds so they were actually mm-hmm lowering the cost of capital for even if they if they did it uniformly with every single corporate bond in the market you're lowering the cost of capital for bigger guys who are out there in the public market and i think similarly on those like stimmy checks for businesses you had to have a banking relationship with a loan officer at a bank in order to get some of the benefits that was out there for small businesses so they were just like de facto giving the benefit to people who were bigger and um, use the commercial debt market, stuff like that, as opposed to the little guy who didn't have that. And you can, that already makes it not, you know, not a not a free market that, that, that it's like already, you know, what would you call it? Like, it's just not really a private company anymore, in my opinion. Like, it's just not like Twitter or Facebook. Like you can't say that they're private companies when, they don't have to abide by the same laws that like a grocery store would have to abide by for freedom of speech. And, and they use patents and stuff. They use government protection to support their platforms. Like that's not how it works with, you know, you see these people in front of your grocery store begging or putting political stuff out in the grocery store has a little sign that says like, we're not supporting this. They have to allow it under certain circumstances. So I just, I feel like all this stuff gets, they're they're benefiting from from the government, and it's only so that they can uh, circumvent our rights, which would otherwise be right. You know, right, you and I know, them. you know, I know Pete Quinones has been hammering that home, like the whole because there's a whole sector of libertarians that are still on this. It's a private company; they can do what they want. But like you just said, that when the government cheese is infiltrated, every industry. And they use, we'll call it soft coercion. Like, it's not, it's not a private company. It, it, it's, it's been no. totally co-opted. And, you know, that's why you have the airlines. Right now, they're, they want to stop, like, unruly passengers because, like, so many people are like, there's no federal law that I have to wear a mask. 
So why am I wearing a mask? And, you know, the airlines are trying to get the government to pass rules and regulations to stop these people from being, quote unquote, unruly. You know, the I saw a clip. I think it was maybe the CFR or something. My partner, Brad Binkley, when we do the propaganda report on Rockfin, he brings these clips and they're so shocking. And one of them was that they were I think they were professors who who just plug into those think tanks saying, if we have the right tax incentives, we can tell the airlines what policies to implement. I mean, that's what they said. It was crazy. And I would say on the like the PPP stuff, the pr public private partnership, what really boggles the mind for me with that is they'll say, OK, we have this thing that only the government can do, but the government can't do it. So we're going to outsource it. So they take I mean, it, the defense industry is actually a good example of that, where I, I would say anything where 100 percent of the revenue or maybe charter schools, 100% of the revenue comes from the government. I don't think the government has the right to coerce the money based on this theory that they, only they could do it. I mean, the defense industry is not a great example because I understand the Minarchist point of view where you do like you want to have joint defense, but I would also say that uh, this nation is under much greater threat having the defense industry than we would if we didn't intentionally antagonize other countries and increase the danger to ourselves. We'd be better off with just minding our own business and not, mm -hmm. not having that at all. We'd be safer. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it is amazing how just when you look at the size and scope of like how many just people I know in my firsthand life that are involved with either big pharma or, uh, the military industrial complex. It's like, there's so much incentive there for companies. that are so large that I was thinking about the other day. I know so many people that work in either of those industries that would not exist, you know, in a free market. I think that way too, that like they, it, it like makes me disgusted to think when I, that like, I was thinking about curly light bulbs. So George Bush signed off. They're probably not even curly anymore. I bought a, like a, probably literally a thousand Edison light bulbs before. I, I mean, they're probably still on the market, but I don't shop for light bulbs anymore because I just piled up on all these ones because the fluorescent things, I don't like them for a lot of reasons. But so they George Bush signed off on a law that wouldn't go into effect until after he was out of office. So a lot of people don't realize that he was the one who signed off on it. And it was to basically transition us from the historical incandescent light bulbs to these new fluorescent light bulbs. And if I recall correctly, Philips, which is a foreign company anyway, was heavy into lobbying for that law. And I can just hear it. Like I used to be an investment banker for high yield bonds, which were smaller companies, not the biggest companies. But every once in a while, I would get, uh, a, you know, be in a room with the kind of bigger company CEOs. And of course, they would speak matter of factly about how laws, certain laws would affect their business. And they would talk matter of factly about wanting those laws to be passed. They would never say, but of course, it might not be a better world for my kids. And I just I feel like that is a different world from what I grew up. My father used to have a small business and he was absolutely scrupulous about morals. And you can read back at some of those like 50s type, you know, middle middle level businesses where reputation and morality and stuff were really important to them and to their customers. And, and that's just been totally gutted. And now I see it's gotten to the point where I mean, if big pharma has hijacked the force of the state, like 
look at what's happening. I mean, it's it's ter- terrifying. Like, it's just yeah. it's totally dystopian. I saw like a new level of propaganda yesterday when I was driving home on our highways. They have like those um, digital billboards that hang over the highway to tell you when there's an Amber alert or something. They change the script constantly. And they the message yesterday was don't speed, get vaccinated, arrive safely on the highway. Like, <laughs> I was I tried to get a picture of it, but I was in such disbelief that I forgot to even get a picture. It makes me think of like when the fighter jets get fueled in the air. Like, yeah. hey, if you just if you just drive exactly at the speed limit, we'll send the Vax drone just over yeah. your window. Yep. You drive safely, get vaccinated, and arrive at yeah. your destination. I mean, I said they're like, what? Like, how, number one, it just shows desperation. Like, they know they've yeah. hit like, a critical mass of people who aren't going to do right. it. And they're just trying to get whatever they can because I'm sure they have a bunch of vaccines sitting there not getting used. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of figured that would happen because I thought after a certain point, people would, everyone would know someone who was vax injured and that they had yeah. to just have that push. And now they're kind of changing tax a little bit. They're like, you can call yourself immunized if you've already had it. So then it looks like they have a whole boost in compliance. And now they're saying, oh, the Novavax is fine. And that a lot of people will take that because it's more conventional or so we are told. Mm-hmm. So I agree. There's like a change of, you know, it's a, Phase two, act two opens. Yeah. Except uh, a lot of employers still won't allow proof of antibodies or prior no. infection. Not you know, yet. and and I always look at it like it, they don't they don't give a shit about employee safety. It's all just so they don't get sued. It's before, the same. You know, they they should get sued for making people take the vax. Before right. COVID, though, there was an OSHA law about how many hours an employee could sit in a respirator because it, it could cause like oxygen deprivation to the brain and all this. And then they, they took it out of their code right during the mask mandate. It's wow. the creepiest shit. The mask thing. Yeah, there have been some changes, but the mask thing is alarming. I mean, you can go back and find uh, studies and lawsuits and stuff that address the issue of efficacy and safety. And it's like 9-11. I, I always try to look if I'm looking at certain types of kind of deeper history and analysis there's a book called Dollars for Terror, which was written, I think, in 1999. So it was before 2001 where when they started to demonize 9-11 truthers before they started that cognitive infiltration. And I feel like this is not a, this is a guy who's kind of anticipating a 9-11 kind of a type event. And it's not because he's some conspiranoid. It's because that the writing was on the wall. He was an investigative journalist before they silenced all those people. And similarly, I look for things that happened before the COVID propaganda started. Like in 2015, there were documents about trying to make contagious vaccinations. And there's been plenty of that since then. Now it looks like conspiranoia. But back then they were working on it. And that was six years ago. And I feel like once they put that out, it's already it's likely that it actually is happening, you know, yeah. they're actually mm-hmm. down the road. Well, this is where if, if Nick could talk right now. So Nick's actually, he's listening. He's driving right now. He just texted me. So <laughs> Nick. He, I don't think he was driving when he texted me just for the record, but he's uh, headed back home and he's <laughs> for like, legal yeah, reasons. He's a vaccine while he was driving. <laughs> yes. The vaccine's on the way to him. <laughs> but, uh, the vaccine. He's listening. So when he gets to his computer, he can hop in and, and it, pick up it, on the conversation. But uh, he does a great Fauci impression. So this is where he would come in and do his great <laughs> Fauci. So, Oh, don't get me started on Fauci. I've been <laughs> yeah. him for so do long. You, do you think that I, I have noticed the press? I mean, remember they, they demonized everyone for the lab leak theory in March 2020 when people were presenting pretty reasonable cases that it came out of a lab and they were all crazy or they got booted off social media. 
And now all of a sudden they've 180. So do you think that Fauci is going to be the classic fall guy, the sacrificial lamb? Or well, did they, they finally realize that nobody in the public believed that nonsense about the bat or in the food market? Well, you know, if he were a fall guy, I would think of it like, Bill O'Reilly or Roger Ailes or, or like that, where the fall, you know, you get your payout, you know, you mm -hmm. get your golden parachute. You don't have to work anymore. So, so you get some bad press. Who cares? I mean, literally, I don't even understand like how it, it his name sounds so much like Dr. Faustus who sold his soul to the devil. Like I just blows my mind, but <laughs> like how, that guy is definitely not going to care. There's a little bad press as long as he continues, he'll be feeded and, and praised in his service circles forever he'll be considered demonized unfairly in his little world his wife is a big shot in bioethics and i'm sure she'll run cover for him so i don't really think that uh there'll be much of consequence to him even if he gets a lot of bad press but i've i mean i've said this before like i his role in the azt thing was unbelievable so my brother had was was an iv drug user and he was trying to clean up and he, somebody ran, had like a little baby and they said, you should go get an AIDS test. Let's just make sure, even though that now we know that could never, he could never have given us a little baby. But, uh, so he went to the doctor and they told him that he had tested positive for HIV. Now this is a guy who had had hepatitis, had like TB or something like that. But hepatitis, I think is basically a 100% false positive for HIV, which makes me think it, that's just, that's what it is, but mm -hmm. whatever. So, uh, so he was guaranteed a, a positive, whether he was positive with whatever is HIV or not. So it, he was totally healthy. They started giving him AZT, which was not according to the clinical trials. Like it was a, a, like a right to try thing. It was only for the most desperate cases. And Fauci, from what I've read was the kind of, um, behind the push to, to take AZT off the kind of um, class X list as a, as a terrible toxin and give it to people who were not desperate. My brother wasn't even ill. Like he was asymptomatic. Right. And then he very quickly just crashed. And he said, that m medicine is making me sick. And he stopped taking it, but it was too late and he died. Oh my God. So, oh yeah. Wow. He was, and so then, but he was that. 18 years older than I Am, and it was a long time ago and he was an IV drug user. You don't form very close relationships with people like that. Sure. It wasn't. And at the time we didn't realize, we just thought, Hey man, you know, you didn't deserve this punishment, but it was a consequence for your actions. You contracted this disease doing something, you know, but he did it. Like I, and I actually said that to my mother recently. I was like, you know, I don't even think he had AIDS. And she's like, me neither. I just don't think so. So we would never have a lot, you know, we, he was, he wouldn't even eat white bread. Like he would, he would just slam smack, but he didn't, he was like, did yoga and stuff. It was very weird, but really? he was unlikely to take something like that unless it was urged upon him by people he trusted. So having been aware of Fauci's role in that and then seeing what happened in New York with the ventilators, like in April, there was a study, I think it's mm -hmm. from JAMA or something where it said that people who were diagnosed with COVID who uh, over 65 who were put on a ventilator had a 2% chance of survival. It was a death and, sentence. And the ones who weren't had a 74% chance. And they're like, well, we only chose the people we knew would die. And I'm like, then why put them on a ventilator? If you were that sure they were going to die, why put them through that horrible 
experience. Like there has to be something wrong with that. So I felt like, I, I mean, if you really wanted to get devious about it, really, really cynical, you could say they had to do these things that actually increased the death rate in order to make the AIDS pandemic or the COVID pandemic real. They had to make sure people were dying. Like, that's how cynical I start thinking about these guys. I so, was the same way. Yeah. And this guy and Fauci, think about what he knows. Like, you can't really hurt him unless you kill him. Yeah. Because, you know, if you really hurt him, he's going to balance how he fights back. So I think maybe he takes a fall. Maybe he retires. Maybe he wins a lawsuit against them, you know, like that they're totally fine with because they get to have this media thing. And then there's also like a couple of things. One is that I, I was reading about propaganda from way back when saying like we have yet to fully exploit the Oedipus um, myth, the Oedipus archetype. So like we will like I always think this about Cuomo in New York or Newsom or Fauci, like they will they will sacrifice a father figure. Maybe it'll be Biden and replaced by the mother, Queen Kamala. <laughs> I don't know. But then I think this 2017 SPARS document, which was absolute blueprint for the media rollout of COVID, it's just shocking out of Johns Hopkins. I guess I missed this, but people have told me it was there and I have to look for the citation that it talks about high level people at the CDC or the World Health Organization or whatever taking the fall. And and this would, you know, maybe this fits that bill, but I do not think that he will really uh, get justice. No, He's, I think you're right. He'll, he'll get a book deal. He'll follow behind the curtains. And, or get a job at Pfizer. Yeah, to go through the revolving right. door. Right, yes, yes. But I, yeah, he does seem to get the, the Teflon Don treatment. He, nothing sticks to him. You know, they've, he keeps telling everyone, vaccinate everyone. I mean, now they've had all these reports of like children, like teenagers having heart attacks, basically. And they're like, oh, well, it's uh, very rare. And then they go on and cite a number that's like, that's much higher than what I would consider very rare. You, you know, it's even more rare. Kids getting really sick from COVID. Yes. As a father of four, I'm not going to vaccinate my children. So I had so my brother and I had it at the same time over the 4th of July last year. Um, and, you know, he didn't even run a fever. I thought I, mean, I just had a cold. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have a fever, but it didn't feel like a normal cold to me. I felt it was hard to breathe. I um, felt that brain fog, which was like being in a car without oxygen. It was a very unusual mm -hmm. thing to me, which makes me want to ask you guys a question. I, I have different, you know, I've not, haven't really concluded what I think it is and what I think it's for. Do you guys have, are you, you know, which way are, do you lean? And then I'll tell you what I think. <sighs> like the, the virus itself yeah, is it a virus i mean i don't even believe in viral theory so it's really hard for me to to get my mind around that or is it a bioweapon is it a 5g thing like what is it um, and why and i think you know, that I'm it not is sure if, you, if you know dr <laughs> go ahead mike so we have some lag uh, we had a dr knut vikowski on our show he's a friend of gene epstein's he's an epidemiologist 35 years and i asked him that question like is it possible this is a bioweapon and and his experience he didn't believe so and but his reasoning was that he he said it'd be like pulling a grenade while you're standing in the room like the people set it off or they're they're not you know it's just he can't imagine anyone doing that but then again when you're dealing with sociopaths it's like i don't know i'm open to anything i'm not i don't have answers but and i'd like to answer that because it's totally treatable 
Right. So I was reading a book by Jim Keith, I think, if I recall correctly. And he was, it was a book on bioweapons, which I only went to read after this. And it seemed like everything in, in all the examples, documented examples of the U.S. government testing bioweapons on the American population is that they would spray it on people. So it had to, it wasn't like person to person transmission. It was like you would get blasted in the face with it or, or, in, and I think in this case, just injecting each individual with it. So you would actually have to be around if it is microbial or like a bioweapon like that. And in another book that he wrote about something else, about the octopus and the Danny Castellaro murder, he just wrote, or maybe it was in a different book about Danny Castellaro, but it was the, the Circle, I think it was called, where they talked about, showed patents from the 80s of what they called like bioweapon retroviruses that they would sell to other countries, but they would have to sell them also the antidote. So the idea that every bioweapon has an antidote would, I mean, it has to be true for that very reason. But I would say, just don't get on a ventilator as your antidote to this. If you actually know the truth yeah. about it, I think the chances of you dying are like nothing. Right. You Especially know, very close to zero. Unless, yeah, unless you have underlying conditions, overweight, over a certain age. Yeah, it's... it's. Well, I have said like 78% of the hospitalizations were people that were considered overweight. Yeah. So Yes, I've heard that too. I and, mean, then, and I was actually scared because I was pretty sick. I didn't miss a day of work. I was absolutely committed to um, just powering through. But I, I did realize like normally supplements, nutrition, I'm never sick for more than a day, ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. I was sick for 14 days. And then like, I got like gut sick for 14 days after that. And I thought wow. by the 14th day when I was still having trouble breathing, I thought, or it just hurt. Like I could breathe, but it hurt. And I thought, man, I could see really panicking if you were old. And you didn't know what to do. So then I started drinking tonic water and I immediately felt better. Now it could have been just a coincidence because it was 14 days out, but I thought this is, this feels like low blood oxygen and tonic water is malaria, malaria is blood disease. So anyway, it was, hmm. I mean, hmm. who, who the hell knows, but I just, I felt like there was, it was scary and, um, but unnatural. And that if you knew the true, if you treat it like a respiratory disease, you're probably not going to get, through it you know you're you probably mm -hmm. won't get the right treatment but if you treat it like a blood disease you might so it could just be that little piece of information mm -hmm. yeah, yeah my, my brother nick got it and he had a uh he's in really good shape and he's but 26 at the time and he got just like uh mild symptoms but then lost his taste and smell for oh, like months me and too months, really yeah and I just started like, getting it back and i got when i was sick it was in january wow i just that's what makes me question things is like i've never Ever heard of anything else natural doing that's what uh, i started to think maybe it was 5g re-resonating to a new electrical regime i mean that's new new thought to me a new idea to me but then i started looking into like we have a positive and negative charge we get eegs ekgs like we are highly electrical the earth is in i was reading a russian government document just discussing casually the earth's electrical medium and how certain uh, experiments by the u.s could interfere with that so like this is a the thing they know about they talk about and Maybe that's the 5G thing or whatever could be just a new electrical regime, something that we don't even know about, possibly. I, I, I have to do some more digging into that because that, that's fascinating. I haven't. 
And I looked. I into, haven't looked into it a whole lot. I, I I'm pretty firmly in the lab leak theory because I think that there's yeah. gross levels of incompetence. I mean, when you got a communist oh, regime, it's yes. it's all bureaucracy. It's Let a me bunch ask of, you this. I wouldn't, I would definitely not think it was incompetence, but I would think this, this is why I'm now vacillating away from the electrical resonance thing is that I am starting to think that the real goal here is to get that spike protein in. It looks like every single person, but it, and if you, if you had COVID, you got the spike protein, I think. And if you get the vaccine, you get the spike protein um, in that like self-generating way. Uh, whereas the Novavax one gives you the spike protein, but it doesn't help you to generate it. So I don't know how powerful that would be as something that would hurt you. But I have heard that it accumulates the most. It accumulates everywhere, but it accumulates the most in ovaries. So is it that it is a bioweapon that was developed there, not released by accident, not leaked, but used for the purpose of long-term population control? And I mean, right now, that's where that's I the think camp makes the most I, I'm in. I think that in three to five years, you're going to find, maybe not everyone, but um, I think you're going to start to see people that are having a lot of trouble having kids and there's going to be no no explanation why. We don't know what happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know what they might do? They might say it wasn't because you were vaccinated. It's because all of those unvaccinated a-holes mm -hmm. made it so that that Delta variant broke through on your vaccine mm -hmm. immunity. They'll never, ever, yeah. ever going to admit that We're going to get blamed for it, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, for and sure. I, you know, I, I saw a video, I think it was in India, this lady was, they were like holding her down and forcing the vaccine on her. Well, they do that to, I have a son with Down syndrome and I noticed in this, in LA, there were videos coming out of them, like going to the homes and people don't like needles. It's a really, really good evolutionary um, reaction, like fear of heights. They don't like them. So all these kids with Down syndrome, adults with Down syndrome, were saying no and screaming, but a lot of them don't have their own medical rights and- Dang. Yeah. You know, you guys were talking about COVID, but I'm here. I'm here. I made it. But hi, um, Nick. so hi, how's it going? Great. Um, so you guys were talking about COVID and uh, and what symptoms you had. I had it in early October, and for two solid months, I had zero sense of taste and smell. I could eat raw garlic. I could eat an, wow. bite an onion like an apple. It was unbelievable. No way. Yeah, for for about two solid That's months. That's so and then cool. You should have videotaped was, that. Oh, I did. I have yeah. I have song, I have like <laughs> great clips that were on Snapchat. <laughs> I have the videos, but uh, but um yeah. So it was gone for two solid months. And then it started coming back, but then about half of all the food uh, that I ate and drinks that I had tasted like rotten flowers or rotten fruit and fish. It was the most disgusting thing. And life was just miserable. And it's it wasn't until about – and then my sense of smell was gone. It's still pretty weak. Um, and it, it wasn't until about a month ago that I could actually smell things a little bit, but I still can't smell shit. And I don't mean – not smell anything in the colloquial sense. I mean, you I mean, cannot smell, smell feces. Shit in the bathroom? Yep, which isn't the worst. That's <laughs> right. actually like it's kind yeah, of a superpower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. So I did know somebody who was vaccine injured. She had COVID, then got the first shot, and had a terrible reaction. And one of the things is now everything she tastes and smells is metallic. Like she really oh. can't get through that. But there was mm. another thing that I noticed, which was that the way, and I had read this uh, research 
it was in China, but it was translated, but it was in like ResearchGate or something that said that like glassy x-ray in the lungs and that painful feeling in the lungs is a is this is a consequence of having low oxygen in your blood. It's not the opposite. So that was another reason I thought it was blood disease. And that pneumonitis, I also saw another thing that said pneumonitis is what it felt like, like an inflammation of the lungs, not pneumonia where you have congestion in it, but uh, that that was a, a side effect of radiation treatment from uh, cancer, and it can take up to eight weeks to develop. And this, we got sick at the end of January, and we saw all these giant, what I assume were 5G towers, which giant, giant, giant cell towers go up in our neighborhood right over th around Thanksgiving because we didn't want to go to the honey-baked ham. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see the antenna on a honey-baked ham? Like, we were like, no ham yeah. Thanksgiving. So I, I think there's like weird symptoms attached to it. And I just, well, what do you think, Nick? What do you think it really is? Well, I, I was going to, I mean, we were talking about like COVID or the vaccine. But like, what's the point of the, there's a lot of different things, the controlled destruction of the American economy, whatever, but for the actual physical thing, is it just selling vaccines? Is it getting spike proteins in everybody? Is it killing old people? And is it a, a virus? Is it a bioweapon? Is right, it right. 5G? Like what is going on? I, still I mean, can't, I've been thinking about it hard for a year and a half and I like, don't, I can't, I keep going back and forth. I'm yeah, well, I think uh, I think similar to you, I have way more questions than I have answers. I know a lot of things don't add up. If you look at the number of like flu deaths and pneumonia deaths, how it's like almost zero, and then people go, "Well, it's because of all the COVID measures," and it's like, "Wait, this is a respiratory thing. The flu is on surfaces, and people are still touching things, so that's not that doesn't really explain it." Yeah, what is and then, that then? I'm yeah, I, that too. Like nobody's been sick in my house, and usually the kids get sick. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So I, I mean, I wonder, but then, um, I mean, I think the vaccine is just pretty nakedly pharmaceutical companies. I'd like to see actually what their revenue is over the last year compared to I like think year Pfizer over year. Was up sixty billion in twenty twenty. Oh and I'm sure that has nothing. Yeah. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the giant <laughs> PR campaign. But, um, no, I mean, I, I definitely have more questions than answers. I think the the lab leak, or maybe it was a bioweapon you know, unleashed by China. I'm open to that. I'm open to, to any compelling arguments. And, um, to me, it's, it's just wild. I was going to ask you, are you familiar with the Weinstein brothers, Eric and Brett Weinstein? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. So I did you see Brett. that? I mean, I watch his thing once in a while. I saw him talking okay. to those two guys talking about how, I think that's where I got the tidbit, which I later heard other people say who I trust that it, the spike protein accumulates in the ovaries. Yeah, I, I, so you're probably talking about the the video with the two uh, biologists or uh, immunologists, whatever they were, where they were talking about yeah. the vaccine side effects, and I couldn't believe YouTube even let it stay up. Like I really couldn't believe didn't it. They, didn't he get nuked from YouTube though? Um, no, I, thought I, I saw I on Twitter like a few days oh, ago that they they nuked his account. Wow, I wow, because be, I'm like 95 percent sure. Yeah, yeah I think it, he mentioned something like that. Yeah, it's he it's was crazy on the run. because. Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and what's crazy is Brett Weinstein is a progressive, but I, I actually I like know. listening to him and his brother because they're very honest and it's like mm -hmm. they're the best of the leftists, in my opinion. Did you but, see the Evergreen College expose, the videos of how he lost, what happened to make him catapult yes. into, you know, his origin story yeah, as a public yeah. figure? Yeah. So he, it was really 
it was like Occupy Portland, but the preview predictive programming for like a trial run is when they occupied Evergreen College. Anyway, that's another story. Yeah, no, I, I, I it is a very interesting story, kind of similar to like uh, Jordan Peterson, where they feel like there's one event that kind of catapults them. But um, I, I really couldn't believe that YouTube even let this stay up, which you're saying now they took it down because it was going viral. And, you know, if if you have somebody like him who he's like very COVID conscious and everything, and he's very like everything must be peer reviewed and and, you know, certified by academia and all this kind of stuff. And if he is is voicing his opinion and he's it means that he really strongly believes in it and he's very sure that there's hard evidence. So it's like this confirmation thing of, where, of what what is it? Of, of the vaccine of having uh, like horrible side effects. Right. They're they right, talking about right, like yeah, just it, just sure. with anecdotal experiences Absolutely, they had. Yeah. yeah. Just with anecdotal experiences they had and then how the media is suppressing it. And, you know, he's honest enough to go, OK, there's something really bad going on here. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at the trial data for Pfizer and Moderna, and I, I say this all the time, they're the, the last trials they did before the emergency youth authorization between those two MRNA vaccines, there were 80,000 people, like 40,000 in the experimental group, 40,000 in the control group. And all of those people, only one person died of COVID anyway. So they clearly were using in their trials people who were not really vulnerable to dying from COVID. Mm -hmm. So they could say nobody in the experimental group died of COVID. So that is already fudging the numbers. Then I don't know if it was both, but but. I, I believe it was at least one, probably both of the trials, the control group was blown up. They gave them all the vaccines saying it was unethical to continue this experiment, which is definitely not, it wasn't unethical, but they blew it up. So now you can't have long-term trial data from that trial. And, uh, and I'm sure they're going to lower their standards for the approval too. And if you look at that Alzheimer's drug that was approved recently, they're, I think they're walking out to us this incredibly low FDA approval standard that they're they're going to introduce. So I think all of this is a way to cover up that that the vaccine would never have been approved under a normal process that we've seen in the past. And that that is enough to me, like that all the shenanigans behind uh, all the shenanigans behind how they're you know how they're introducing it to us, but. Also, I know personally people I can name who were told by their doctors. I know three people just right off the top of my head who were told by their doctors that it was the vaccine that injured them. One was a lady who I guess like her thyroid kind of blew up and she immediately started experiencing dementia. She was older, but she was totally healthy. And three different doctors told her it was the vaccine. Second shot. Oh, my God. Uh, I know somebody got tinnitus after the first shot and uh, they said, that's definitely the vaccine, like yeah, hold off on the second shot. And then the other person who had permanent seems to be permanent taste and smell loss, having gotten the shot after uh, having had COVID. And so as she said, it was within a window that now they don't allow. I think now they make you wait 90 days before you, I'm just saying all of those I know these people personally and their doctors are confirming it. So like, it's almost like I could probably find enough people to write on a list that would be more than any other vaccine or drug that was allowed to stay on the market after, or vaccine anyway, after like that many known injuries, you know, that many verified mm -hmm. injuries, I could probably make a list myself 
personally, that would get it have, taken off the market in any previous era. Have you read the the research um, like they did on animals using the mRNA vaccine where when they were re-exposed after the X amount of time, like all the animals got super sick or died? Yeah, it's called they used to call it disease enhancement. Now they call it immune enhancement. Mm-hmm. Talk about it being a switch. But that's what I worry about the Novavax too, is that conventional coronaviruses did always have that feature. This is the mRNA one. I didn't read it myself, but I've I heard people talk about it. Uh, but I did, before this came out, saw that the, that's why we never had a vaccination for the cold before, because it is a feature of even the conventional coronavirus, and that's like deadly. So you could see that in the fall come out, but again, no doubt they will blame it on unvaccinated people. Yep. And if it's contagious, if the vaccine has an impact on other people, which we don't know, but uh, I've read this before. I recently heard somebody talking about it in a podcast, but I've read it myself that live viruses, live virus vaccines are totally contagious. So you can't go around people who are immune compromised if you have just gotten like a certain kind of vaccination. So they, there's definitely precedent for vaccines like leaping around. That's why I feel like we're not, even if we had good data, we wouldn't really be able to distinguish between vaccinated people and unvaccinated people and their injury if unvaccinated people can be tainted by vaccinated people. Yeah. And that's what, what's so creepy about the giant PR campaign where like the NFL, I mean, every corporation, the FDA, like everybody, every politician is pushing the vaccine. And no matter how much support you get behind it, it's like, guys, this is still a, you're, you're a guinea pig. Like there's no way around that. It just, it is what it is. Like there's it's no, there's no long-term data. They can't have yeah. long-term data. And like you were talking about, yeah. And like, like Monica was talking about, look at all the people that everybody knows personally that have had bad side effects. And it's like, guys, this isn't normal. <laughs> this is not normal for somebody's like, oh, I was right. just stuck in bed for three days. And my, my arm was numb. It's like, does that sound like a healthy thing for your biology, you know, versus, you know, your immune system, if you're healthy, you can beat it. Especially with something that is that they attribute a long haul COVID to. So it looks to me, people getting the vaccine are getting this illness. It's the same like that. Even those kids getting myocarditis and pericarditis. I knew a boy, 14 year old, like 15 years ago. It was absolutely shocking. It was somebody I worked with. Her son died. And the way it was described to me at the time was that he had a cold and it just, it like sometimes a cold can move into your heart, inflame it, and there's nothing they can do. And every once in a while, one in a million or whatever, a kid will die of this. He died of it. And I remember thinking, and they said very distinctly, it was not a flu virus. It was a cold virus. So that means it has to have been a coronavirus or a rhinovirus. So when I heard them saying this about young people getting affected by myocarditis and periocarditis, because that's what they said he had was like inflammation of the lining also around the heart that I said, see, that is a complicated, a very, very, very rare complication of that virus even pre-existing. So, so every side effect I hear seems to be related to the actual bug. It's not necessarily like a lot of times you'll get a vaccine injury will be an autoimmune response. So you get like acute flaccid myelitis, which by the way is polio called polio. You know, sometimes they call it polio. Sometimes they call it Kawasaki disease, this transverse myelitis. But the, the bottom line is 
your immune response to the vaccine will attack the myelination, which will stop the signals from getting to your extremities from your brain. And that's why they start getting a little paralyzed on the edges as a vaccine injury. But what I'm saying is a lot of these vaccine injuries are seem to be illnesses that would be also associated with the actual, you know, COVID. And like, didn't that CEO supposedly kill himself because he got tinnitus from COVID. And then I know somebody who's vax injured by tinnitus from the vaccine and it was told it was the vaccine. So if there is a thing as long haul COVID and people who are getting vaccinated are exposed to the symptoms of COVID, are you not potentially setting them up for long-term illness that isn't even just that three days where you're in bed? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because when everybody was started telling me about like people I know about their side effects from the vaccine, I go, yeah, it sounds kind of like you just got COVID. <laughs> it sounds like they <laughs> just gave you everybody the COVID. Yeah. You know, yeah. People who I'm resisted sure, it, people who I'm were sure actually strong enough to resist getting it in the first place. Big Pharma will sell them a cure for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, take this. For, the, <laughs> for the first time ever, I just saw on TV. I mean, my kids and I just like laugh at every single solitary commercial. We watch Hulu. Every, every, every commercial is big pharma. Oh, and yeah. it's like, you can't buy this directly. You have to ask your doctor for it. And it's, you know, side effects include death. And my kids and I are like, why do they even advertise? You think you just keep your mouth shut and go to the doctors? I'm like, I think they do it to control the news on those channels. I don't really know. But for the first time ever, I saw an ad where a, a younger woman was talking to an older woman, her mom or her grandma, who sh- and the grandma said she had COVID. And she said, there are really good therapeutics available right now. So t- contact your doctor and he can sell you this thing that will make you better. And I was like, that's a change. Like that's, it is. that's wow. a, that's a new thing. Oh, the, the, wow. the TV commercials though, just in general, cause I don't have like network television or, or cable. So I don't I, like, I, we have Netflix and Amazon prime. So I hardly see anything, but my wife and I were in a hotel last week for a wedding and we were just flipping through the channels and it was like every commercial was woke. It was, it was like a Saturday night live parody of what's going on. I saw three consecutive commercials with interracial gay couples which, yes. hey, I'm a libertarian. I don't care, but it's like, yeah, I, no, think who cares? I think this is a little overrepresented of uh, what's yes. going on in the world. Though. It's definitely an agenda. You know, yeah. it's definitely an idea, cultural thing. Yeah. And why, right? Do they think they're going to make more money that way? The straight way, like, I don't mean straight as in not gay, but I mean, like, just the obvious one thing follows. Like, are they going to make more sales because of that? I, you know, unlikely. So they're probably go. they're they will benefit, but in some other way. And that's where the, I think that's like a tell that there's something going on. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it, I've told the story before, but Tyler and I used to be uh, in school to be aircraft mechanics and the school came in to do pictures for the website. And then they basically got all the white men out of the pictures. So it was like a couple <laughs> females in the class, a couple, <laughs> and we're, they said they wanted non-traditional students. But then I, I sat there and this was in 2009 or 10. And I was like, what's the end goal just to have less white men fixing airplanes like what what where does this lead like what's the but it's it's weird it's like a, it's like a cult where they just if you if you watch if you're we mostly just watch amazon prime and one of the things i think it's free is scrubs right now scrubs is a great oh, old yeah. comedy <laughs> i liked arrested development was another great one but scrubs is really really good and it's actually quite wholesome it's about 20 years old now 
but they would make funny jokes about race. And the one of the young surgeons is a black guy, and he was saying like. You know, sometimes I don't even something to the effect of I don't even know who my real friends are. Like sometimes I feel like you guys just like me because I'm black or something like that. And and his friend JT was like, "You're crazy. What are you talking about?" And he shows like the school yearbook, and it has like pictures of people playing. And, and he's like, "I'm in every picture." And he's like, "Well, that's because you were popular." He said twice. So there would be like him playing catch with himself. Like he, they would have him like <laughs> Photoshop throughout the background. And I was just like, "That's a funny." That's a funny joke. Like he recognized that this is just, you know, it's a little over the top. Their virtue signaling is a little crazy, but yeah, they do it on purpose yeah. and they're obviously satisfying <clears throat> the agenda. What kind of agenda? An agenda that they are aware of. How are they aware of it? It's communicated to them, which means it's distilled and then communicated. That's a conspiracy. Agreed. Yeah. No, and what's very strange this is just a comment. I don't Fair want to enough. go on a tangent, but what what's crazy is how the woke thing really started escalating along with COVID. It, it, like they, it's like they ramped it up. It's yeah. like it, it was. I, I can't make sense of it. You want like you were we we're both talking about. I wonder what the end goal of this is. Oh, that makes me think that if you look at the World Economic Forum stuff. They always they were talking about the fourth industrial revolution and then it kind of morphed into the great reset. But what they were talking about always was that they're oh, and event 201, event 201, mm -hmm. which was October 2019, where they just lay out the no, no, novel coronavirus pandemic blueprint for 18 months, literally to the point where I called the bottom of the market on a day in March 2020. Stupidly <laughs> did not have any dry powder to capitalize on it, but that's how that's how perfect that live um, simulation was. But they talked about uh, at length over and over again that the the inequality in society, this deep, deep uh, inequality was came out when people were under stress that it bubbled to the surface and it, um, it manifested that we're incapable of dealing with big problems because of all these fractures and fissures in society that were there, but were un unseen. I don't believe that at all. I feel like you just don't, when everybody's like doing what they want to do and eating and having jobs and stuff, it's like not like that. But, but another thing I noticed, and I didn't put it together until later or in, in part, you know, now that you're mentioning it now, that uh, as soon as the policy started coming down of COVID, what they were doing, the second they started coming down, Everybody, I just moved to LA and I'd seen, you know, live in this, I rent a house, but it's like in this fancy neighborhood. And immediately these people were just went to Costco with their Escalades and filled it up to the top with everything you could imagine. Cleared out, everybody had their own room. Everybody had their own laptop. The kids started homeschooling and they've been homeschooling, like schooling through school, Zooming school since then. And it's really hasn't, it hasn't opened up completely. And uh, so everybody had space. They had supplies. They had everything they could possibly need. The parents all had white collar jobs so that they could immediately zoom. Nobody was out yep. of work. Nobody was, you know, only waitresses and stuff can't go to work. Right. And I immediately said, this is the most regressive policy move I have ever seen in my life. 
Only yes. poor people will suffer from this. Mm -hmm. and, and any struggling business, all the small businesses would go under. The big ones that had, I mean, and literally I said, like, what you do, you can go back to the 30s and see what the big guys do is they precipitate crashes like this. And they wait. And they wait until all the little guys are wiped out. And mm -hmm. then they come back and they, yeah. and then there's two companies in any given industry and all of that is happening. And they're acting like now we have to build, this is the punchline to what you were saying. Now we have to build back better because as we see this inequality was much worse than we thought. Look at the unrest. Look at how backwards people have gone. Look at how much harder they were hit by the pandemic, which is not true. You can look at African countries and stuff and death rates and everything. Not true. So certain ones. And uh, anyway, so I think that it is hand in hand because they always use that as a platform for the build back better thing. Yeah. Well, one of the worst ones, most heartbreaking ones I saw right away during the lockdowns of a small business getting crushed was locally to me. There was a wedding venue and a great family. They've been in business for 30 years, respected and loved by everyone in the community that's done business with them. But they um, got shut down and they had a bunch of down payments taken for weddings already. Um, but they had used that money to keep their business afloat, waiting for the lockdowns to end, spent everyone's down payments, went out of business, and they were on Facebook saying, like, listen, we took these down payments. We know we, we had to use it to keep it afloat. They won't let us open back up. We want to refund our, our clients. You know, we're going out of business. But we want to pay back all these brides and grooms that are losing their down payments. Oh yeah. So she went on Facebook and tried to do, like, a clearance with her gift shop saying, like, order, you can come pick it up. The state police for Illinois showed up and shut down her, her closeout sale, too. Wouldn't let her sell her gift shop out. And wow, even these... she probably was totally willing to put the stuff on the sidewalk in a paper bag. I mean, it's yep. not that hard to do that. I know someone, I don't know if I want to really tell the details, but there was a big event planned um, at a, something like that. And everything he had was invested in the supplies for this event. He had to have the event. He had to. And he did. And it was totally not allowed. And he was facing like 90 days in jail and big fines. And he was like, worth it. And he did yeah. it. And I, and I just thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what you do. He had a lot yeah. of kids and he was like, I'm just doing it. I don't care. Like I have to do it. I thought he was being like a big shot. Like that guy is speaking truth to power. He's like, no, <laughs> I just, this food is going <laughs> to rot. I'm, I am, if people will come, I am, they are eating this food and they are paying me for it. And, and I mean, I'm circling the drain. So I'm, this is my last guy. I don't care if I go to jail, you know? If, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, what's uh What's I mean, I wish what was heartbreaking to me as somebody who loves freedom is that we didn't see more of that, that like you see that the well, overwhelming majority of the population will just go along to get that's along. That's what the stimmy checks were for. They yes. said, yeah. you know, and they would say, if you keep your labor employed and pay them, we will forgive these loans later, which to me is like totally dangerous anyway. <laughs> but that took a lot of that. Um, forward momentum out of it. And then you can see people had like malaise and they kept pushing out like the extended unemployment benefits and just so many things that, that just took, took that unity out. And of course, as soon as you close the bars and the gyms and the churches, it's really hard for people to communicate. And then all you get is the screens, which are lying to you about people's attitudes. They, they moved immediately to crush any sense of community where dissent could build. That's ex I, it, it's a classic play. I know. It's a tale as old as time. And I also don't think it's any coincidence that to further crush any dissent and the people that refuse to just go along to get along, that's 
I don't think it's any coincidence at all that you see the increased talk of domestic terror. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to do is anyone that was like, these mass mandates were bullshit. You know, I don't buy into what's going on now. They can be like, well, you're not on a, you're on a no fly list now. How's that? I mean, Right. I mean, they, and I do think that there is going to be an element of self-identification. Like, I don't know what's in store for the unvaxxed people, but they can't possibly be decimating the followers and leaving the independent thinkers as the only people who can breed. Like, I just, there has to be right something going on there. And I just, I can't, I don't even know how to speculate that. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. It's like they're kind of like we're talking about what uh, one of the baseball teams that had like the vax and unvax seating. And Tyler was like, dude, the unvax seating is going to be lit. It's going to be a bunch of like minded people drinking beers, no masks. Yeah, it's going to be great. I was thinking that that um, you could like they have an honor system, you know, at the gym or something. I don't know. And you could like I see people going and not wearing their masks. And I think. I, I keep I, I keep waiting for this Churchill thing, like for people to go like this, you know, like V for victory, V for vaccine, vaccine is victory. You know? <laughs> this is the war. This is the peace. And I keep expecting people, you know, they're really smiley because they don't have masks on. And I'm like, you're vaxxed. But then <laughs> I think, you know, I just take my mask for a while. There, I was just taking my mask off. And then I thought, you know what? I think I might stand shoulder to shoulder with my unvaccinated sisters. And, uh, you know, fuck those motherfuckers. I'm going to, yeah. you know, plus <laughs> there's a thing called fake masks. Uh, so. Oh, by, by oh, the way, I love Nick, those, yeah. yeah. Nick, you bought you, oh, uh, Monica, a Fauci impression when you were missing. I said to you. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. I heard that. I heard I was listening live. I was coming home and I heard Monica just raking me over the coals about the AZT <laughs> thing, which people will not get off my ass. It's, you got people like Monica Perez and Dr. <laughs> Rand Paul. Rand Paul and Jim Jordan and all these guys, and they just won't get off my ass. You know, I just let me be a rock star. I'm a born rock star, baby. That is fantastic. I mean, <laughs> that is really spot on. Normally, people overdo the New York kind of Italian yeah. mobster. Of course, he overdoes it himself. <laughs> yeah. But, but what's crazier is N- Nick's Rand Paul is even better than his Fauci. So that's a whole different. Really? I spoke to uh, Rand Paul once. Very uh, well, Rand, Rand Paul. <laughs> Yeah, well, we actually did a video where I played the part of Dr. Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci and even Jordan Peterson. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's I only started doing the impression not too long ago, but um, wow. yeah. you're yeah, a real no, talent. So. What's your background? How do you get to be like this? A lot of free time? Or are you a um, <laughs> Yeah, just growing up. I don't know. Growing up, I could always just like kind of do impressions. And uh, are you a musician? I always feel no. like someone has an ear for that kind of thing. I can I can only do my mother. Are you kidding? You do great impressions. That made me laugh out loud when I was when I heard your you doing your mom's impression. That was that was funny. <laughs> but what's but, so um, funny about it is that she can't hear it. She doesn't oh, think really? you know what oh, I mean? Funny. She can't yeah. hear it, you know? It's just her baseline. It's like you can't smell your own farts. She can't, <laughs> she can't hear it. <laughs> yeah. So I also wanted to say that I'm I'm loving the triple G uh poster. Oh, behind the people's you. choice, people's champ. I was at I was at the fight that he got robbed. It was Mexican Independence Day. Against he Canelo, the first fight. Canelo Alvarez, yeah. He won that so, fight. 100%. Triple G, of course, yeah. totally. To the point where the place was full of Canelo fans on Mexican Independence Day, mm-hmm. okay? The tie 
which was blamed on a chick because chicks are stupid. The tie <laughs> um, was so outrageous that the entire place erupted in booze. Mm-hmm. So people who were rooting for Canelo were disgusted that they through the fight for Canelo. And then that's when I knew that Max Kellerman was totally full of shit because later someone said, Oh, you don't understand. Uh, A tweet of mine was saying like, if you were watching on TV the whole time, Kellerman's like, Oh, you know, it looks like triple G won that round, but you know, Canelo had some technical, whatever. I mean, he was sucking wind the whole time. So I thought triple G was pulling his punches. Like I actually thought they said to triple G ahead of time because it looked like he could have cremated him. They might have said to him ahead of time, hey, man, like, you know how it works. You can't just crush the pretty boy. Like, you can't, like, hurt him. He's the cash cow. Yeah, you need to just, like, keep his face intact. Like, you'll win. You can clearly win without actually drawing first blood. And, uh, boy, I thought Triple G was pretty classy after that. I used to have a drop (laughs) on the radio show, like, uh, big drama show. We got big drama show. And then the second one, I mean, Triple G lost his will to live. But whatever. I I thought... Cause I watched, I watched it live. I bought the pay-per-view and I, I was, I was drinking beer with some friends. So I was like, all right, maybe I just saw it a little differently. So I rewatched it again, like a week later. Oh, nice. Yeah. And nice. I was like, okay, triple G definitely took like seven rounds of that fight. Oh yeah. I mean, it was seven or eight. the whole time. Yeah. The yeah. whole time. Just, I mean, I know it doesn't really work this way, but the general impression the entire time. Yeah. I, I only thought two or three rounds. Could you say Canelo got? Yeah. I thought. But uh, anyway, it was really yeah. disgusting. It really bummed me out. And then I kind of lost my my boxing thing. That my brother, who I was telling you about, he was in the Golden Gloves and fought in Madison Square Garden. So even as a little kid, he was 18 years older than I was, but even as a little kid, I would go. And one time he was on a ticket with uh, Tony Aya Danza, later Tony Danza. Oh, wow. I think, oh, wow. I, think I saw Tony Danza. I was, I'm really too young to really remember it. I remember being like, you know, it's be smelly and stuff, but I don't really remember like watching the fight. I was like mm-hmm. seven. <laughs> so one other thing I w- wanted to ask you about, you sent me a picture of a Le Mans blue 68 Corvette convertible. Yes. So please Isn't explain. That gorgeous. Yes. So gorgeous. So I, yeah, as a kid, I used to walk. So I have eight older brothers and sisters. So like they were adults basically when I came around and I used to walk to the mall with my sister and there would always be, it was so long ago that like they didn't even have firelands. You could park right in front of the mall. And uh, there was always this Royal, I used to call it Royal Blue Stingray. Now this was in the seventies. So probably it definitely wasn't the one that I have, but it looked like, you know, real big front fenders and stuff. And I said, oh, someday I'm going to have that exact car. And I remember my sister saying, when you're old enough to afford that car, you are not going to want it. Like it's cheesy. Like you're just not, that is not going to be the car you want. And I, um, my husband knew that story and what, and I'm not a fan of like blue cars, but it's, it's Le Mans blue and it really is a beautiful color for that car. And, uh, so that was just a long time ago. And, and he was like, yeah, that's a really nice car. And then it was a couple of years ago. I was like, you know, I don't like these smart cars. I think I think we need guns, gold, and a getaway. Like, we should have something with a carb. Like, we have to have something, you know, you just have to have something that you can get away and you fix yourself. You know, my dad was always like, I couldn't fix cars anymore after you had to, like, buy a thing to plug it into, and it would tell you what was wrong with it. It was like, mm-hmm. that was it. And I was like, I need something before that. 
So, you know, I would say to my husband, like, we need a carb with a carb. We need a carb with a carb. And then that shows up. <laughs> it's a 68. It was like ma matching numbers and everything. Really beautiful. Oh, nice. 40,000 nice. miles on it. And it's uh, like 50 years old. Is that a 327 car? Is it the motor yeah. in it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. And uh, yes, he had actually had a crack in the block. He oh. spun a bearing. And when they went to rebuild the engine, they found a crack in the block. So we have the matching numbers for, you know, it's like freezing Walt Disney's head in case yep. they ever <laughs> we're saving the block in case there's ever a way to repair that like hairline fracture. Oh yeah. But well, it's yeah, I think I think it's called I don't know if it's called a stingray. If 68 was the first year of the stingray or 69 when they called it the stingray, but it has like the egg crate vents, not like the slatted vents mm -hmm. and uh yeah so he shows up with this and i'm like yes it's it's lovely i love it like you're now a museum curator like take good care of it then he spins a bearing but that's okay <laughs> and uh so but it never we have three kids and two golden retrievers like i don't know who is going with him when he <laughs> goes to town in a two-seater convertible vet like oh, i'm out of here you were right it's great to have a getaway honey you know, I just thought, good luck I think one of the dogs is going to get that seat. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you took advantage of your uh, your uh, getaway. Yeah, my, <laughs> my love of it. Yeah, so I did. And it's really a beautiful car. As soon as it got off the bed and got in front of the house, he was like, take it for the first spin. I said, I guarantee you it's going to stall and I'm going to flood it. So you are going to. He's just like, what do you mean? I'm like, ah. Oh. So in this generation, we don't even know how to drive cars like that. And they're slow and they don't you know, it's not slow, but like, it doesn't like you need more room to break. And I realized like taking it on the highway and all that, that people don't understand. Like, and when I, when I was, my father was real old school, taught me how to drive. Like he would say like on a hill, you have to part, you know, you have to stop on a hill, like pretty far behind somebody. Cause if they have a stick shift, it's gonna, it might roll back a little bit. Like I was oh, yeah. always tuned into all that. But nobody sees it. So you're, I'm in LA trying to drive down the highway and people like right on your ass. Like I, I can't, I need a little space here to stop and you can't pressure me like that. And so it's a little nerve wracking, but it's quite, it's quite beautiful. It's like a thing of beauty. Yeah. I, I love that era. That's actually where our background is in. Nick and I grew up where our dad did muscle car restorations since my earliest memories. So, it's, oh, well, my son who yeah. has down syndrome named that car muscle man. Oh, nice. So well, I nice. said it should be Love a female. But, Very cool. But it's <laughs> muscle I, man. I like the fact that it's a convertible, too. Nick and I got a yeah. really gay convertible story, if you want to hear it really yeah, quick. Yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> so uh, I used to have a 70 Pontiac GTO convertible that I had nice. in my wedding. Cardinal wow. red, real nice. It was older paint and everything, but it looked real, really nice. Original so paint job? It was one-time paint, but it was done in like the okay, early yeah, 80s. Us too. Yeah. So, yeah. So I used it in my wedding. Then, obviously... Didn't bring it home that night because I got a ride home. <laughs> and uh, the next day we're cleaning up the <laughs> venue. And Nick and I are bringing all the stuff back, taking truckloads of all our equipment. And lastly, we grab my GTO and drive it home. And we hop in it together, drive it about 30 miles back to my house. And, you know, it's a nice car. I get a lot of thumbs up. I get people that, you know, give me thumbs ups every time I drove it. And we got an exceptional amount of thumbs ups. People were just like applauding us, passing us, thumbs up. So I'm like, <laughs> maybe there's a car show going on. Maybe there's a power truck. <laughs> we get all the way to my driveway and realize we left the Just Married sign. <laughs> and that's what my... Uh, this? Five years this ago? Was, uh, three years ago. 
Right. So, uh, yeah. And that's that's my really gay car story. Wow, that <laughs> is really gay. That is, yeah. that is pretty cool. And that people loved it. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, they're like, hey, I yeah, know gay dudes are in the muscle cars. Funny. Yeah. You know? It's just funny. <laughs> oh, oh, we had a good laugh. Gosh. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, Monica, I was already a fan uh, coming into this interview, but now knowing that you're a fan of combat sports and classic cars, <laughs> I'm just that much more of a fan. Yeah. So. You didn't even ask me about barbecue. I know. That's next, yeah, right. next time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Nick, you got some closing questions, I believe. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're a little over time, but it's been a lot of fun. So Monica, we recently started doing this. We have rapid fire questions to end the podcast. And then I'll ask one serious question too, okay. but we'll get through the, the rapid fires. Okay. So I will pull these up. Okay. What, what scenario is more likely COVID came about naturally from wet markets or we landed on the moon in 1969. Jeez. That's uh, I would put zero possibility on both of those things. <laughs> Can I go with that? I just, there's, I would actually say it is more likely that the, the wet market thing. Cause I just think there's just absolutely no chance that we landed on the moon. Was that uh, the red hot chili peppers said space may be the final frontier, but it was made in the Hollywood basement. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. No question about it. I'm, I'm completely with you there. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Second question. The FBI arrests you for domestic terrorism because of your libertarian background. What song do they play on repeat to get you to talk? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I was in, I don't know what it's called, but I was in an Uber recently when I was in Austin and this guy, I didn't know if he was trying to torture me or (laughs) if he like just liked it, but it was a song that literally was just like MF for the N word, MF for the N word, like the entire time at full (laughs) blast. Like, I don't even know if it's a song. But I think I would have to put an end to that under by any means necessary. I just can't. <laughs> Sounds I just like a real, <laughs> real white supremacist, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, like it was a rap guy and it was a, a black guy singing or he really, really wouldn't have happened. But I just remember thinking like this has got to, it's almost like intentionally meant to agitate you. So I don't know. Absolutely. Um, okay. Who would win in a fight between Anthony Fauci and Ann Coulter? Oh, Ann Coulter for sure. Yeah, that's what I for thought too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. If you could egg one politician's house, who would it be? Gosh, I should have had more coffee. Um, <laughs> who do I hate the most in the world when it comes to being a politician? Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to think this through. Um, oh. I mean, the easy answer would be Gavin Newsom because he's ruining our lives, but, and it would really cause some enmity if I, if I said it was Trump, but I feel like I don't think orange man bad. I think that, Oh baby. I think that uh, if, if it weren't for Trump, you know, if, if Hillary had been in office, they never would have gotten away with this. Wow. That's, that's very interesting actually. So yeah. that might be a whole other, a whole other segue, but um, okay. we got a couple more. Okay. So over the last year, we've gotten to know a lot of America's governors. Who do you think is the most handsome or charming governor? Uh, well, who is that smoke show chick? Who's smoke? Who's, who do they call Christy the smoke Nome. show? Christy Nome. Is that it? 
South Maybe. Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I'm going to rinse her. Um, but it would have to be a guy who's the cutest governor. Newsom's pretty cute, but I think he's gay. So can you, <laughs> can you, is he not? I don't know. My mother always says that. I bet Kimberly Guilfoyle was married to that mayor of San Francisco, but he was gay. So I guess they broke up. <laughs> I and I was like, it. I think that's the governor of California. And I said to my husband, oh, yeah, he's gay. He's like, he's not. He's married and has kids and stuff. It, that's a that's a cover just so we can get yeah, off. Yeah, I don't know. So he, I think he is pretty handsome, but but he still makes my skin crawl. Can you? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think whether or not he's homosexual is a, a separate question, but he's definitely gay. So yes, that's, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. South Park South Park rules. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, okay. Would you rather have access to all of the classified information on nine eleven aliens? JFK assassination or Jeffrey Epstein? Wow, that's a great question. I don't care about aliens. Uh, I think the JFK assassination. I, I might have to lean that way too. That's yeah. the that's the answer. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. when it happened. That's when the oh, regime yeah. changed. That was the great permanent coup. Mm -hmm. that ne oh, we've absolutely. never recovered from that. So whoever really did that is the you know, in the driver's seat, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a good answer. Um, so that was all the, the rapid fire. So the one serious question I had is I'm a fan of your show and you guys, you, I mean, like every day you're doing research into some really like serious, like dark, cynical current events and a lot of this behind the scenes stuff. And somehow, and it's like Nietzsche said, if you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back into you. But it seems like with your show, you always seem to have like a very positive disposition and you maintain a good mood. Um, what do you attribute that to? Or, or how do you, how do you keep that positivity? Like that, I, just that outlook? I have to tell you, it is not really natural to me. Like it is now because I learned how to do it, but it was 100% my mother, 100%. When I got this, I fell into this radio thing, I had nothing. It was, I was a banker. I wanted to be a banker or I had been a banker. I wanted to be a banker again. And I just got this gig, weirdly long story. But um, since the very beginning, my mother, who was a big talk radio listener and I wasn't, she was like, it, it just doesn't, I'm not listening to it. If it, if it's down, it's can't be down. It has to be up. It has to be up, but there's no reason. And I, and I would say, but mom, I'm reading the news. Like there is no way then don't do it. There's no point in your doing this. If you can't keep it upbeat, I just don't want to keep it positive. I'm like, mom, you can't have a positive. I don't care. I don't care. So it took me years to like, just even get my mind around how that was possible. And I, I just, I, I, get, I think I found like a place where that was, I think it's finding humor in the absurdity of it was how I had to do it. And, and recognizing, feeling hopeful about the power of mockery to, to disempower the other guy. So if you really make fun of Fauci, if you really hit him where it hurts by just mocking his ridiculousness, and uh and not laughing at the and not laughing at the stuff that that he might think is cute you know no he's not cute but really laughing at him i think it would unnerve him and i think that by pointing out stuff that's laughable about these people disempowers them in the minds because the real danger here is it's it's all about the fear like the fear is what's controlling everyone and you wouldn't really be afraid of them if you 
thought that they weren't so powerful. And if you can laugh mm -hmm. at them and laugh at what's weak about them, I think that that's the, that's where you get the power. So we try, but it is hard to stay upbeat and I have to like keep moving my focus. I have to get like, um, more spiritual or more internal or whatever. And I just, I always fall back, always fall back on the St. Peter's test, not because I'm just living for the next life, but because I think that's where the power is here. The St. Peter's test for me, what I coined that is when St. Peter asks you, like, what did you do down there? And you're, and like his, his rapid fire questions are going to include, did you ever vote for evil? And you'd be like, no, no, I voted for the lesser of two. He was like, it's a yes, no question. You know, he's like, so I think that you have to live like that because it gets you out of the framing they want to impose on you. And it frees you from the fear of what might happen on, on this planet. And that is the power we need to disempower them. So I just always try to think of this is the game. This is the, the this is that you're being scouted as a as a player, not as a team. So just play your best. If your team loses, it doesn't matter because the scout doesn't want like a dirty cheater. He wants the guy who's going to go all the way. So that's how I try to look at it. That was even a better answer than I anticipated. That's, that's a, that's, I think it's a really good mindset to keep. Honestly, that's because well, that's, that's what I, I have to think that every day. Cause it is hard. It's a lot of work. I've got kids and I, I'm always having like kind of moral question of where do I put, am I, you know, I, I really do it for my kids in that I want to do, I, I I'm not, I'm going to my grave saying I did everything I could to the best of my ability, which like the parable of the talents, like you have to do what you can do. I can't do what I can't do. And hopefully this is valuable, but I have to always think like, am I better off making bone broth more often, you know, and not like just trying to nourish my kids in a way that they're going to be healthy personally or learn how to grow chickens or something. Like I have to always have to ask myself that question. And so that's why I have an answer. Perfect. Nice. nice. Yeah, I heard the last half of that question or that answer. Like I heard, I got sorry. My wife's sleeping, and both my babies are waking up, and I'm trying to. Oh, as a matter of fact, up. for the second time in a row, my son with Down syndrome just he, he texted me. I'm going for a walk. I was like, and my husband's at home, so oh, okay, yeah. Well, snap back. I'm not. I'm not trying to get out. I want to hear what you no. have to say. But like, wow, that's, you're right. I should be that's a, that's way more great, worried than I am. That's a great place to end. So, uh, well, Monica, I can't wait to uh, get the freedom fest. Hopefully, we'll. We'll run into you there. Oh yeah, um, I'm sure I'll have lots of free time. So I'm, we'll have I'm to looking forward to it. Yeah. So right, yeah, awesome. and if you, thanks guys. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. If you want to give any of your plugs, or people can find you, your show, your social media. Sure. If you're interested in my show, it's the Propaganda Report. I do it with my co-host Brad Binkley, and it's a daily show, uh, news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. That's on any podcasting platform you listen to. You can find it in the Propaganda Report. And if you want more content, uh, commercial free, we do cocktail parties, live streams, stuff like that. Go to Patreon.com/slash/PropagandaReport. We do amazing deep dive videos on rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And just to chat with me, I'm on Twitter every day at Monica Perez show. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And guys, please uh, head over to iTunes and rate and review the show and uh, find us on Twitter at Pulse to the walls with a Z and come out to Freedom Fest July 21st through 24th. Thanks. <laughs>